You're listening to the Redefine Wellness Podcast. In this podcast, you will learn how to restore the body, renew the soul, revive the spirit, and repeat daily. For more information, visit the website at redefinewell.com. That's R-E-D-E-F-I-N-E-W-E-L-L.com. I'm your coach, Lindsay Wenland. Let's get started. Welcome to the Redefine Wellness Podcast. My name is Lindsay. Today, we are answering questions from women in the Redefine Intensive. We are in week three right now of the beta testing of the Redefine Intensive, and I finally had a Q&A day yesterday. So these are the questions that a couple of my girls asked. First, let's talk about what the Redefine Intensive is before we get to the questions. So the Redefine Intensive, um, I created basically out of a place of helping people. It took me so many fails, so many tries, and so many just all the things to finally lose weight, to finally get free in my own body, to finally be able to control my thoughts, to have control over my emotions, and to heal from things I needed healing from. I also developed through coaching um, ways to look at eating disorders and food and addiction in the light of a biblical understanding. So in the intensive, first we go through um, emotional childhood traumatic things. We go through healing. We talk about our story. We write our big why. We go through forgiveness. And we do all of these things to basically clear the slate. And when I say we get to start afresh, you are actually starting afresh. So the questions that are coming up today are before we've even gotten to the eating. It's before we've gotten to the food. It's before we've gotten to the questions about what to eat, what not to eat, when to eat, intermittent fasting, exercise, chronic cardio, lifting weights. It's before we've even gotten into the meat of a health and wellness program. So far, we have been cleaning house. And this week we talked about boundaries and creating non-negotiables. Now I did a live in my private Facebook group with the intensive a couple days ago about setting boundaries. And the thing that keeps coming up about setting boundaries and creating non-negotiables for us is the voice that comes up tells us it's because you fail so much. The voice is shame. The voice is guilt. It's condemnation. And if you're anything like me, a self-deprecating mind will only lead to more deprecation. When we have all or nothing thinking, when we have a negative mindset, when we think and speak life over ourselves, things will go one way. 
when we think and speak death over ourselves, things will go the opposite way. So it's really about listening to your thoughts, lining them up, making them obedient to the word of God, and renewing the mind. The thing about setting boundaries and non-negotiables is it's supposed to come from a place of compassion towards yourself. The commandment that Christ gave to us is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. This implies that you will love yourself. This implies that the love that you have for the person next to you, your neighbor, is out of a spot of identity, a place of rest, and a place of knowing who you are and whose you are. So rather than turning in on yourself and parenting yourself in a way out of fear, shame, condemnation, we must turn to ourselves with kindness. We must turn to ourselves with compassion and we live and move in Christ, which means we should live and move in love. An example of this would be (laughs) if I let any of my previous self-talk out, it would sound like, you'll never make it. You're never good enough. You're never going to reach it. Why are you even trying? You're such a failure. Everything you've done before, you failed at. Why can't you get it together? Come on. Even just me saying those words, how did that feel in your body? What did it stir up in you? If you talk to yourself that way, you will constantly be walking in the negative. You see, we are made in the image of God. And everything that God created, he spoke. First he thought wisdom was there, and then he spoke it, and it was. And since we were made in the image of God, we too create. We create with what we speak. It says over and over again in the Bible to let yourself and to set your mind. It says in Deuteronomy 30, one of the scriptures that this intensive and this wellness thing that I'm trying to do is, behold, I have set before you death and life. Choose life. You may think that things are not that easy, that they're not that easy, that we can't just decipher things as being something that brings us to closer to death or brings us something closer to life. But if you really round it out, If you really think about it, of course there's gray area, of course there's neutrality, but we can also live in the way of thinking, is this good? Could I do it better? And what is the best? Those are steps going from death to life. Those are steps working in the gap. Those are steps, mindsets, and resets that we can think about But the fact of the matter is, is that it really does boil down to death or life. Our thinking and our speaking and our doing, what we put in our bodies, how we move our bodies. 
and even our perspective and our perception around things. So I'm going to start the recording now on the Facebook Live for answering the questions. And here we go. All right. So I had two questions come in. Um, first of all, hi girls. Thank you so much for all of your hard work in this intensive. Like, thank you. Um, just even the feedback that I've gotten from those, all, all of you who have pushed in and you're moving in and you're moving on. It doesn't matter if you're doing it at my speed or your speed, just the fact that you are pressing in. That's, that's really what I wanted. So I have two questions that I want to talk about today. Um, one is mindset and one is memory. So there are very large teachings that go along with both of these things. I'm going to today just be kind of broad and a little more vague in my teaching with this, but I will create, hey Darcy, I, that's good to be on the podcast now. Shoot. Anyway. Um, hey Darcy. So I will create more, um, training tools, maybe another podcast, maybe some recordings, maybe a printout to go along with the teachings about mindset and memory and working through things. But let's kind of just skim, skim the fat off the top of it today and um, open it up a little bit. So first, let's talk about memory. Um, so all of us have memories, right? We are 95%. We live and operate in our subconscious. The other 5% is prefrontal cortex, conscious thoughts. We don't have to think about how we breathe. We don't have to think about how to walk. We don't have to think about how to drive. I mean, seriously, raise your hand if you've got, if you've been in your car and you've gotten to your place and you're like, wait, how did I get here? It just, it just did it. The car just, I just drove the car, right? And maybe you were consciously thinking of something else. So your subconscious holds on to everything. And if you listen to Pastor Mary's Arrested in Development, um, the two big clips that I sent you, and then I sent you two more of her more recent teachings, you will learn about the files, how the subconscious stores the files, how we recall the files, and how even when you're going through a memory, you can feel it in your body. What happens is, and I'll just very broadly go over this, is let's say you're four years old and you see a car accident in front of you. I, this, this has not happened to me, but it's just an example. So you're four years old, you're outside playing, you see a car accident, boom. Okay, you're outside playing by yourself. You see maybe somebody get really hurt and then you see an ambulance come and wheel them off and it was bad, right? If you didn't have anybody there to tell you this this person is probably going to be okay, they, they were breathing when they left the scene of the accident, the doctors are taking care of them, they will be fine. If there's no closure, if there's no resolve, if there's no information at the time, 
we form a glitch in our brains because it's missing information. And the subconscious always wants to have closure. It's always in process to settle and have closure. And it will work to get that. What happens is we have all these files of all these memories in our heads and that becomes our perspective. That becomes our perception. So everything else that we do in life, we file even through that glitch. We filter through all of those files that we have recorded in our subconscious. So as a 16-year-old who witnessed a pretty bad car accident when she was four, she wasn't nurtured with information. She wasn't given the information at the time. She goes to drive. What's her MO? What's the spirit that she's going to be working in at that point? Is it going to be fear? Is it going to be irrational fear that she's going to get hit by a car or she's going to get into a car accident? And does that just become her MO every single time she gets into a car? Is it just something that the body does, something that the subconscious does every single time you get into a car, you get anxious, and then you get used to it? And here you are, 40 years old, and you're like, every time I drive, I have a panic attack, and I don't understand why. Well, it's that glitch. It's that thing back in the, in the subconscious, in the memory that didn't have the information so that's half the reason why you wrote your stories. That is a lot of the reason, 100% of the reason why you brought the Holy Spirit into this because he knows more about you than you knew. He sees things from a godly perspective that you don't. And we get used to our glitches. We get used to our arrestments. We get used to our happenings in our own development, it sets our perception, it sets our perspective on things. And then when truth comes in and challenges that, that, hey, you actually don't need to have a panic attack when you get into a car and drive, it challenges that stuff is going to come up and stuff is going to come up in your body and stuff is going to come up in your mind. And then all of your truth, what? I don't even know what I believe. This is what happened. So that's just an example of what can happen. There's a book out there um, called The Body Keeps the Score right here by Bessel van der Kolk, MD. The Body Keeps the Score. This talks about... Um, trauma that can happen in the in in your life and how the body will actually hold on to it and how we as as humans <clears throat> we especially Christians I believe at least in myself that I get the word of God I get the Bible I read it okay great this is supposed to be truth but how do I imply this in my life if my whole belief system is set up around something different? It says in the Bible, do not fear, do not be afraid, but I'm, but here I am afraid. So what do I need to get me unafraid? Well, usually I need education. Usually I need um, someone to walk me through healing. And that's why we're here. So if you're processing things from your story and you don't necessarily have a memory behind it, but you have a physical response, this is normal. 
sometimes things in the in the subconscious, you know, our our bodies and our brains are always living to protect us. And if the subconscious knows this was too much, I didn't have any information whatsoever to even form thoughts around this. It still happened. The body's still holding on to it, but the subconscious basically blocks it out, blocks it out. That's okay. There are things from my childhood that I know happened because I know in my spirit, but I don't know in my memory because my mind protected me from remembering those things. Even walking through um, deliverance and, and, and very um, almost aggressive inner healing, the memories didn't come up, but the knowing did, and I felt it in my body. So that is common. What do we do when that happens? Or what do we do to provoke it to even happen, provoke it from even coming up? All right, so first of all, you have to get quiet. You have to get in a safe space. You have to set a margin for yourself that I have an hour, two hours, three hours, whatever, to really process things and really get quiet. If you have your prayer language, you pray in your prayer language because that is your language, praying the Holy Spirit, praying through you to God, the Holy Spirit who knows more about you than anyone. So you get quiet, you take away your distractions and you pray. There's, there's, there's an aspect of this that you have to trust that the Lord is going to show up for you. He is going to show up and he is going to help you. The Bible says that he is, his name is faithful and truth. He will show up for you. Please don't believe anything that comes against that because he, he does show up for us. Um, and also trust your gut. If, if, if something is coming up that you don't feel that you can deal with, or even before you go into praying and go into your prayer closet and go into this healing, ask for intercession. You have brothers and sisters, husbands, wives, mothers, daughters, whoever that know the Lord, people at your church, pastors, wives, pastors, they can pray for you and they don't necessarily have to be present. Um, so ask for intercession. What I've seen in certain ministries that I have been in is that the Lord will not bring you to a place that you are not ready to go. If you are too afraid to go through healing, to, to process something, and we don't want to let fear stand in the way of things, but I do believe that the Lord doesn't put anything before us that we are not ready to overcome, that he is not going to walk with us through. So when we go after things like freedom, when we go after things like joy, and we, when we go after things like inner healing, we have to rely on the Lord so much more than we ever have before because the fact of the matter is, is that I can't do it. I can't heal myself. 
I can't bring freedom to myself. I can press through and I can have faith and I can believe and I can wait for the Lord to show up. I can't bring it on myself. You know, even if I, even if my arm was completely cut open, I can bandage it. I can put salve on it. I can get stitches, but it's my body. It's the way that God created my body to heal itself. It's the white blood cells and the all those other big fancy words that I learned when I got my my personal training license about how the body processes wounds and all that. It's still my body that has to do the healing. It's still the work of the Holy Spirit that brings about the revelation to us to bring in the healing, okay? So we'll talk more about memory and processing and inner healing at a later time. Um, And I probably won't be recording it as a podcast because it's really touchy. But just know that the Lord is there and you can trust him. And um, it says in the Bible, say unto this mountain, be removed and thrown into the sea. And it will be if you believe without any doubt, like... We're doing all this by faith, girls. All of this we're doing by faith. So let's switch to mindset. Um, the question that came up was, let's talk about all or nothing thinking. Let's talk about faulty mindsets, defeated mindsets. Um, we're in the week of setting boundaries and non-negotiables. So first of all, all or nothing, I'm going to do a big old teaching on this. So I have it on my sticky note to record an all or nothing podcast. I think I recorded one. Um, Maybe it's episode 12. I don't know. Um, But I'll do an extended one of actually steps to get you out of all or nothing thinking. But there's two ways that I look at all or nothing thinking. I look at it as working in the gap and I look at it as good, better, best. So all or nothing thinking. So let's bring it to intermittent fasting. I was just talking to my friend about this today. Okay. You've learned that intermittent fasting helps autophagy and it helps you burn fat and it helps you become fat adapted and it helps you, um, you know, with insulin resistance. Personally, I've intermittent fasted for over two years. I love it. It's, it's, it's one of the ways that I've learned how to overcome food addiction. Um, so all or nothing thinking can say, can think that I need to set a boundary, that I need to set a non-negotiable, that I only eat between 12 and eight. That's a 16, eight intermittent fasting eating window. It's pretty much common, right? Some people have to start out with 12 hours, then we go to 14 hours, then 15, then we hit 16, and then we just try to stay there, right? But what did I say previously? We start with 12 hours, and then we go to 14 hours, and then 15 hours, and then we 16 hours, and then we stay there, right? That wasn't all or nothing. There was a buildup there. And why was there a buildup there? It's because Everything that you set out to do, every boundary, every non-negotiable that you set out to do, you should be setting yourself up for success. You should be able to accomplish this 90% of the time. You should be able to do this. It isn't, Lindsay, without question, non-negotiable, you are to run a 5K every single day, no no matter what, non-negotiable. Physically, 
mentally, emotionally, can I run a 5K every single day? Yes. Absolutely. No problem. Great. What about when I'm sick? What about when when my kid's sick? What about when I just ran a half marathon or a marathon yesterday? Am I going to run a 5K tomorrow? Well, if I signed up for one, I will. But otherwise, no, I'm going to be recovering. And it may take me two weeks to run another 5K, right? That's not a non-negotiable that I'm going to set. A non-negotiable that I will set out of all or nothing thinking is I'm going to move my body at least 20 minutes every single day. That is something that I could hold myself to. That is provoking me to take a step forward. So let's go back to all or nothing thinking with intermittent fasting. So rather than I only eat from 12 to 8 and I don't eat any sugar whatsoever, amazing goals. Do it. Yes. That's my goal is yes, absolutely. But to work our way up to that, we have to give ourselves some breathing room. We have to give ourselves a gap. So the gap is this is where I want to be. And this is where I am. So first you have to have some self-acceptance, some self-awareness. This is where I'm at. This is where I want to be. And then you work in the gap between where you're at and where you want to be. So where are you at? Well, I'm just working in the gap. I'm just working in the gap. That's all. Girls, I'm still on step one (laughs) of getting to my goal weight. I'm still on step one. I'm still working in the gap, you know? So step one in intermittent fasting is here's where I'm at. I can only go eight hours between eating. I eat at midnight and then I eat at 8 a.m., whatever. That's not true, but for an example. All right, eight hours. All right. So go to nine hours. Go to 10 hours. And it may take you a month to go from where you're at to where you want to be with intermittent fasting. But out of a self-compassion, out of self-love and self-care, that's why you're doing it. You're not doing it so that you can lose 10 pounds this month. You're not doing it so that, you know, you're doing it because you want to get healthy and because you know the good things about intermittent fasting. That's it. So give yourself time, give yourself grace, and work in the gap to get there. Eight hours, nine hours, 10 hours, 12 hours, 14, 15, 16 hours. Now, hold the 16 hours for a week. You can hold it for a week. Then you can set it as a boundary. What you will also be learning in this intensive is a program that um, I'm adding to launching off of. um, I personally named it the Eat by Faith scale. It's a zero to five scale. And because we have become so resistant to listening to our leptin and our ghrelin, the hormones that turn hunger on and turn hunger off, the hormones that turn satisfaction, satiety, I can't say the word, turn it on and turn it off, you know, insulin, glucose, all of those things impact our hunger signals. When we eat past satisfaction, when we go over to full, we become resistant to the hormone that tells us, 
actually we're full. And it takes 20 to 30 minutes for those hormones to even kick in after we've started eating. So one of the greatest things we can do is turn off distractions, turn off the TV, put the phone in the other room, put it on silent, sit down, not even with a book, (laughs) sit down like a crazy person and enjoy your meal. Eat your meal, taste and see that the Lord is good. Like taste your food. That's why, you know, eating in your car, eating in the run, on the run, eating at your desk. How many times do we eat a meal and then we continue to eat because we don't even, we don't even know that, that we're full because we shoved it in our face for five minutes, right? And then an hour later, we're like, oh my gosh, I ate so much. Well, we didn't take the time to sit down, to enjoy, to process, and to turn on the hormone that tells us, hey, you're full. So that's part of the Eat by Faith scale. Also, am I actually hungry? Am I satisfied? Do I need to eat right now? Or can I wait an hour? So those are things that we're going to be learning. Um, another thing with all or nothing thinking other than working in the gap that you can think about is good, better, best. So for the dishes, all right, let's talk about dishes and, and good, better, best. My 11 year old, one of her jobs is to unload the dishwasher. I load it every night. She unloads it after school, and then I reload it with the day's dishes. But every single day, the dishes are getting done. They're clean, and I don't have to freak out that there's dishes in the sink at 3 in the afternoon. I do dishes when she gets home at 4. So putting away the dishes is good. Putting away just the dishes from the dishwasher and not the dishes on the counter is good. Good job. You put away the dishes. A better way or a better, what's the word, observation would be to put away the dishes in the dishwasher and put away the dishes on top of the counter because I will just tell you to come back to the kitchen and put away the dishes on the counter. We put away all the dishes, not just the dishes in the dishwasher. That's better to put away the dishes in the dishwasher and the dishes on the counter, right? Best would be putting away the dishes in the dishwasher, putting away the dishes on the countertop, and wiping the sink or wiping the countertop. That's a good, better, best. Do you see what I'm saying? And when we have all or nothing thinking, we often think that it's we have to do the best all the time, no matter what. And if we can't do the best, which is a stem of perfectionism, which is a stem of pride, which is a stem of ego, which also is a stem of fear, if we can't do the best, then we're not going to do it at all. Okay, I live there, right? I live there, and I have to good, better, best myself all the time. 
So let's take it down to food, all right? All or nothing thinking on a day of eating. Let's say that I have to go to work and I'm out of the house all day and I can't cook for myself and I don't have any leftovers and I only have $5. Okay, so all or nothing thinking. So nothing will tell me I'm going to fast all day. But here's what will happen if I fast all day. I'm going to come home and binge because I'm going to be so hungry. That's what's going to happen. And I would overrule all of the fasting benefits that I had that day. And <laughs> here comes guilt. He'll come, here comes shame. Here, come, here comes condemnation with my binge, right? So I don't want to do that. So all would be, what would it be in that situation? All would be, all right, I'm going to be late to work because I have to cook myself eggs and bacon and I have to pack my lunch and I have to have cheese and I have to do all of these things. And yes, I'll be an hour late to work, which I get, I get it. Like that's actually a way of self-care. So let's change the all here. Let's change it to, well, if I don't have anything to eat at home and I don't have any time, I guess I'll have to go through the drive-through at McDonald's and I only have $5. So I'm going to eat everything on the dollar menu and I'll just screw it. My diet is just off today. There's all or nothing. Completely not eating at all or choosing the worst thing you could possibly choose. All or nothing. So the good, better, best in that would be good, would be um, making myself a coffee in the morning, throwing in a whole bunch of good fats because I know that it will satiate, satiate I've got to learn how to say that word, satiate me, and that I will be able to go three four, five o'clock in the afternoon where I don't get hungry at all. And I will, yeah, that's good. Better would be I'll make my fat coffee in the morning and I will stop at Starbucks on the way to work and I'll grab myself some egg bites because they also have good fat and they have good protein in there and they will also keep me satiated completely. And then I'll just eat when I get home. Best would be I'm going to make myself a fat coffee and then I'm going to head to the grocery store. I'm going to take five minutes, head to the grocery store. I'm going to get myself a salad. I'm going to get myself some salami and some meat. I'm going to throw it on my salad. I'm going to bring it in there and I'm going to put a note somewhere to tell me to go to the grocery store and I'm going to cook for myself tonight so that this doesn't happen tomorrow. Now, that's kind of a rigmarole, just off-the-cuff way of thinking about a good, better, best in an all-or-nothing thinking when it comes to not having any food, right? But it's a way to open your perspective up to say, I can do this good, but I can do it better, and this is how I would do it the best way that I can possibly do it. And sometimes you're in a situation where, you know, if, what if you're you you're at a Christmas party and you didn't pack any food and the only thing that they're serving is pizza, well, good, better, best in that situation would be 
you eat one piece of pizza. Do you know what I'm saying? We don't need to be so all or nothing with our thinking. We don't need to be so black and white, which is just the opposite of what I said, life or death, right? But there's still life. There's still self-care here. There's still dot, dot, dot. Let's say you're traveling and rather than all or nothing and thinking about, well, I can only eat out for every single one of my meals and they all have to be fast food, yada, 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 yada. Good, better, best in this situation could be I'm going to go to the grocery store and I'm going to buy myself some food and I'm going to not spend $50 on one meal. I'll spend $50 at the grocery store and maybe your hotel room has a kitchenette. And you, I mean, when we go on vacation, the only thing that we have to do is make sure that our hotel room has a hot plate or a kitchenette and we go to the store, we buy steaks and everything else and we cook in our hotel room. And then sometimes it's just hard-boiled eggs from the gas station. But you can always set yourself up for success. You, you don't have to be all or nothing with things, okay? Thank you for listening to the Redefine Wellness Podcast. For more information on challenges, programs, how I can train you or the Redefine Intensive, please go to redefinewell.com. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram at redefinewell. If you want to follow me and my personal training journey with running and swimming and cycling and ultra and maybe even some recipes, I'm over at Instagram at runlindsay. That's R-U-N-L-I-N-D-S-A-Y. Until next time, keep moving forward.